0: Welcome to Recruitment Down Under. In this special edition, we speak with SEEK Research Manager Caroline North to discuss SEEK's Laws of Attraction, an interactive data tool designed to help organisations uncover the drivers that attract candidates to a role. Based on a large ongoing survey of more than 11,000 candidates, the Laws of Attraction provides access to uniquely local intel with an all new data set for 2022. So please join APSCO's Leslie Horsburgh and SEEK's Caroline North as they discuss the project, the evolution of the candidate market and what's now driving candidates to change employment. Thank you for listening to Recruitment Down Under.
1: Morning, Caroline. Welcome and thanks for joining me today. Good morning, Leslie. It's lovely to be here. Likewise. Um, Today we're going to be talking about the uh, research program through SEEK called Laws of Attraction something that I think um, probably every recruiter right now is, uh, is grappling with in terms of uh, the current candidate shortage and um, this uh, candidate-driven market that we're all, we're all working in. Um, I wanted to take a step back before we dig into some of the the um, research and, and the findings of, of the uh, project. Um, I wanted to sort of take a step back and talk about how the whole program and the data portal came to be. Um, and how it's evolved since it first started um, back in, was it 10, ten years ago?
0: Yeah, yes, yeah, it's, it's 10 years now since we um, kicked off this research program. Mm. And, um, you know, so 10 years ago, uh, SEEK was a, a, a different-sized organisation and yeah. the marketplace was um, in, in a different place as well. But actually the um, the need between hirers and candidates really was the same, like that ability to talk to each other in a way that was meaningful and facilitated meaningful connections so that candidates could find the right opportunity and hirers could find the right candidates. Um, really, I mean, that's been the common story and, and at the heart of what we are trying to do. And so 10 years ago, we really wanted to be able to, Um, find a way to have some really data driven conversations and and provide insights and support to our hirers. And it was what they were asking for. um, So that we could assist them in also giving a better candidate experience to the candidates who are coming to site and um, able to look at the job ads and, and better find the right opportunities.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And, um, Tell me a little bit about the the mechanics, if you like, of of the the data and the program and, and, you know, how many candidates did you start with? How many are you getting, you know, respond to this now and and what kind of questions and information are you digging into?
0: Yeah, so uh, a great question. So. Um, ten years ago, we uh, we were a little bit more targeted, a little bit more selective. We'd never done this study before. We didn't know exactly how it was going to land um either with the hand uh, hires or the candidates. So we actually targeted twelve specific industries um ten years ago. and um we achieved around a supply of around about four and a half thousand um, candidates. So it was around um, four hundred. Um, per industry. Mm-hmm. Um, fast forward to today, and we've basically opened it up to the entire market. So we go out to every single industry, um, and we achieve more than 11,500 candidates um, in this latest wave of data. So, I mean, even 10 years ago, it's really strong, really robust research data that we're looking at. And today it's just even more so. So you, we're able to dig down into even more granularity, um, reveal insights across even more industries or seniority levels or different locations, for example. Um, so it's really strong, really robust data. And this data uh, fundamentally um, looks at, I guess, three different things. I mean, the first thing we do is we, we um, collect demographic information on on who we're talking to so that we are able to provide um, an experience to hirers and anyone looking at this data in the laws of attraction data portal, um, a way of choosing their own adventure, because we all want to tell a very specific story to a very specific audience. So we collect information about age and gender and seniority and industry and location, for example, so that we can paint a really clean picture. Then we look at the real meat of this, the insights and that's these drivers of attraction. So laws of attraction, um, we did a huge amount of research before going into field to understand what is it that um, candidates actually make their decisions based around. And we identified um, 12 different areas that they're looking at. And so they're things like salary and compensation and work-life balance, but also information around company reputation, or the um, culture of the organization, for example. So we have these 12 drivers, these buckets, if you like, that we've identified. And what we wanted to do in this study was understand what was important. Um, And it wasn't enough to just ask, you know, is it important? Or how important is it? Because actually, When you're looking for uh, a new job, everything's important. Um, You want to know everything at some point in time. It's just that you might not place the same level of importance on everything at, you know, all the time. So um, this study, it uses a trade-off technique um, called MaxDiff, where we... um, we get the respondents uh, to trade off their decisions. So they're presented with four options, and each time they're presented with four options, they have to choose the one that is the most important and the least important. And what this does is it presents to us a hierarchy of importance from the most important drivers to the least important. And this is hugely valuable because what it's helping hires do is prioritize the information that they share and it's allowing them to filter through so that they spend more time and they raise um, certain pieces of information up higher up in their kind of order of communication than other pieces of information and it allows them and it's really important right because we know on from our data on the SEEK website, that candidates typically spend around 80% of their time in the job ad summary, for example. So you've got a really small window of um, time and information that you can share to grab that person's attention. And so it's what do you put into that summary to really hook them in and to get them to click through to your long job ad detail, which You can put lots more information in there, but you've actually got to get them through the front door first. Um, And being able to prioritize this information is also really hugely helpful and informative to, for example, hiring managers. Like if someone is um, going about to be interviewing someone, you can also coach and guide the hiring manager on these are some topics that, you know, would be really helpful to touch on if they don't come up already you know make sure you you probe and have a conversation around work-life balance for example or salary and compensation um, um you know have a conversation around the career development journeys that are on offer so it really helps uh you know an organization wholly look at the way that it communicates and talks and prioritizes yeah. what it says
1: and um, i mean that's really interesting you've obviously been on this phone you've been at Seek for 11 nearly 11 and a half years I think yes um, so you've obviously been at with this this piece of work that grassroots its level from the beginning yeah have those hooks that you just mentioned changed over the years are they fundamentally the same or, or what's yeah. what's changed
0: yeah it's a great question because Uh, fundamentally, the actual drivers have remained the same. Now, we actually did make a a modification in this most recent wave from the original wave. So actually, originally, we had 13 drivers of attraction, and we've now reduced it to 12. And the reason being is that 11 years ago, we used to have uh, a driver called additional benefits, because 11 years ago, that was Actually, the conversation that we were having in the marketplace, like broadly, there used to be a bucket that we'd think about as being, "Oh, these are additional benefits." So you've got your core benefits, and then these ones don't really fit within any of them. Now, actually, ten years down the line, when we look at them, the whole marketplace has evolved in its um, literacy around how we talk about employee value propositions and how we talk about what we are offering and how to attract candidates. So. There's no longer such a thing as additional benefits. And when you look at them, they really all fitted into things like salary and compensation or work-life balance. So what we did is that we looked at the detailed drivers and we repurposed them amongst the 12 existing um, drivers to really help just clean up the survey. And it's a really, it's an important thing to do. Um, So we haven't lost any of the detail, but we have kind of cleaned up the overall view that we have of those drivers.
1: Yeah, yeah and is salary still king i mean is yeah. it still topping everything else look on the whole yeah it, it is you know it's
0: consistent in fact the the whole of the laws of attraction what's one of the most incredible findings especially in a post pandemic world where fundamentally so much of our working life shifted over the last 2 years for so many people you know um the way our work and our homes Played out really changed. But what's been really interesting to see is that within the laws of attraction drivers, and we've done this over, you know, a number of years now, we've actually done it over a number of countries. So not just here in Australia, but in New Zealand, um, also in our APAC countries such as Hong Kong, um, Malaysia, Philippines. So we've got a huge amount of data that we've seen over time periods and country periods, but we actually see a lot of stability in this data. So, yes, salary and compensation overall is still the number one driver, typically. Um, You've got work-life balance and career development opportunities. You know, those three, you'd say, would on the whole be in the top three drivers. But actually it's really important that we don't think of this as a whole because the beauty of the data is that you can drill down into the unique story that you're trying to tell, be gotcha. it that you're trying to attract someone in a particular industry or at a particular level of seniority or a different generation. And the data allows you to get deeper and look at the nuanced story. And so salary and compensation isn't always the number one driver. Um, there are lots of cases where um um, that's not the most important thing that someone's looking for.
1: Yeah, yeah, okay. I'm sure there'll be lots of people quite happy to hear that. <laughs>
0: yeah. Well, oh. it's
1: interesting you say that, though, because I think
0: like some, a point that's really um, important to make is that when candidates are looking for salary and compensation, you don't have to just think about it as being they want more money.
1: yeah.
0: What they're actually asking for is transparency and a conversation around salary and compensation. Like there's an element of hygiene. Like I just need to know how much are you paying me on a very base level? And can I meet my needs? Like, can I pay my bills? Can I cover my mortgage? Can I cover the needs that my kids have? Or, you know, whatever it is that your salary package needs to be to cover your needs, because this is one of the reasons we I believe we don't see a huge amount of change in the data is that it fundamentally aligns to um Maslow's hierarchy of needs. I'm not sure if you're familiar yes. with Maslow's yes. hierarchy of needs yes. but um so I'll I'll just explain briefly if there's you know listeners out there who are like oh, n- not so sure but Maslow's hierarchy of needs if you imagine a pyramid like a triangle at the bottom of it, you've got um, the need for survival, these base needs, you know, the need to put a roof over your head, food on the table, clothes on your back. Mm-hmm. Above that, you've got um, the need for um, connection and community. So um, it's that, you know, can I spend time with my family? Can I spend time in my community? Above that, you've got the um, need for personal growth. And so that's like career development, like, can I have I got those opportunities um, to, um, you know, actually grow and develop who I am in my job, for example. So these three um, layers of Maslow's hierarchy of needs, these are like, fundamental needs, these fundamental truths that we have. And when we overlay it with laws of attraction we see that playing out yeah. actually broadly speaking the shifts in market dynamics that there might or, you know might not be over like bust and boom years or um you know other macro trends that are playing out actually don't necessarily directly transfer to a shift in actually if I'm getting a new job I need to know can I meet my fundamental um needs yeah of security of connection and of growth um, so that's one of the reasons we, you know, see it playing out um, so consistently um, and don't kind of, you know, necessarily expect to see a lot of fundamental change.
1: Yes, yeah, yeah. Do you, do you ask um, in this research then about those um, jobs that don't offer any information around salary? Because I'm assuming from what you're saying, that's likely to maybe turn someone off or, or deter them from applying. Yeah, absolutely. Um, absolutely.
0: We um uh so within Seek, I mean, the, the beauty of advertising jobs on Seek is that there's actually a hidden salary um, feature. So when you advertise, you have to submit a hidden salary, like a at a basic level, a hidden salary. So it's not necessarily transferred to what you know, you're going to see on the job site, but it does mean that it appears in salary searches. So that like, that's our hygiene um, level of making sure we can meet and deliver at a base level. But um, we, we know that performance of job ads improves with the more salary information that you have. So having salary bands, um, or any, it, but it, again, it doesn't just have to be the actual salary amount. I mean, great if you can, because it really is a differentiator. And it's what candidates want to know about, because it's, it's giving them the information that they need. But it's also communicating transparency, you talk about salary, yeah. you're exposing it. And also, you are equitable that you have um, a transparent uh, yeah. salary
1: model within your business. It's you- very practical, isn't it? You know, at a very basic level, it's a practical thing to do for everybody.
0: Yes. Yeah, absolutely. Very practical. Now, not everyone can yes. disclose salary and hopefully one day everyone can, but I know we're not at that place at the moment. And there are other things that you can talk about. You can talk about um salary review periods. Now, this is incredibly valuable to um, candidates, especially in um, things like the ICT and accounting industries, for example. Yes, base salary is their number one must-have that they want to know about, but um, it's also salary review periods. Like, do you have that? Is it a part of the agenda? Is it known that every year you're going to have a salary review conversation? Um, And so being able to communicate, you know, those sort of aspects.
1: Yeah. Mm, Interesting. So let's go back to one of the points you made earlier about our post-pandemic, almost post-pandemic world that we're in now and and that shift that we all all, um, experienced. How has that played out in people's genuine desire or driver to want to have flexibility? Or we see these roles, they might be hybrid, they might be remote, work from home, whatever it is. Yeah. What kind of factor is that playing out in a in a very real sense?
0: Yeah, you you've absolutely nailed it in terms of um, the the let's hope it's post pandemic post pandemic world we're in and the the difference that we're seeing in yeah. the data across the board. So I mean, it's in laws of attraction. Uh, we can really clearly see in the laws of attraction data um, that especially in office industries. So for example, ICT. Um, we are seeing the shift from um, working from home or hybrid working being a nice-to-have to to it being a must-have. So, for example, in ICT, it's nearly one in two um, candidates that are saying it's a must-have now. And and that's a huge shift from where it was pre-pandemic, where it was only about one in eight. So we've seen this massive jump in terms of expectation and need and um, the need for organisations to communicate what their policies are and their practices are around hybrid working or working from home. Um, and really across the board, that is the, the single area where we have seen the most dramatic shift in a pre-pandemic to post-pandemic um. World, And we, we see it in other data that we've got as well across SEEK. So for example, we've got um, other studies that we're, you know, we're constantly monitoring the sentiment of candidates in the marketplace. And so one of the studies that we have, um, from back in May, 61% of candidates said that they would resign if work from home was not an option. Um, wow. Yeah, which is just, it, it's huge. And we're seeing work from home was the top key search word on SEEK in June of this quarter. So um. You know the the need, the desire, the appetite for that as part of the um, the working experience going forward is yeah. is an, a categorical shift, and it is hard to shift um, behavior. Um, it really, you know, behavioral shift is incredibly um, difficult. As ma- as marketers, as researchers, you know, we spend our lives trying to do this yeah. and find yeah. out how to do this, and so. Um, the pandemic has created a shift in beliefs about what is possible.
1: Um, does that, um, does that uh, need or that desire for that um, flexibility, does it thread through every demographic or is it more prevalent in, you know, maybe people with families or do, do you drill into that detail?
0: Yes, we can. If you can just hold a, a minute, I can actually look at the detail across demographics. yeah. yeah. No. One area that I I do know it is more contained to office industries that we wow. see. So we if I, if I look at the macro picture of all our industries, yeah, I I mean there's many ways I could look at you know slice and dice, but I could look at it as we have office industries, we have service industries, and we have trades and resource um, industries, and we really don't see that same shift in either the services. Um, all the trades and resources which I guess
1: it's easier to translate a role to home if yeah yeah it, rather than
0: those environments exactly mm-hmm. like it ha- like we it has to be reasonable yes. the work from home yes. option <laughs> yeah really, yeah it really isn't for everybody but uh, in those office industries it's really become an every person's opportunity
1: yeah um but
0: going back to the chicken or the egg like so it depends on what industries where yeah. their opportunities are. And, you know, at that level, are they in career roles or are they in roles that they're using to support and manage their other aspects of their life, be it that they're studying or they're managing their work-life balance or still working their way through where they want to go and what they want to do. So um it's really great to kind of have the, these lenses of, oh, yes, there are going to be thematic differences between generations but also be aware that there will be other overlays that also play a role so if you've got someone working in certain industries and maybe they're working in those industries because they want that social interaction they yes. are wanting to have those connections they want to be exposed to people they don't want to be you know working from home and for them that might feel like a sense of isolation as opposed to a sense of relief or being on you know being able to on, yeah manage your world. Um, likewise seniority can, you know, have a, an impact and a play on where someone is.
1: Yeah. And what about the whole work local? You know, we saw this a while ago where people were, you know, and we've, we've heard the media have talked about the tree change, sea change, lots of people leaving the metropolitan cities, um particularly during COVID, you know, when they realized they could um you know have the dream house and and live out, outside of um the city. Has that been reflected um, in this? Are are people or did you even, you know, were you able to get a a steer on that in terms of people's need to sort of stay local to home or or not travel into city?
0: Yeah, look, I think this is going to be one of the ones to look at because I think it's a long-term play. Now, the data that we have within Laws of Attraction would indicate that there is a sizable proportion of people when you look at, you know, ITC, for example, that industry, one or two saying, I want to stay in my location. I don't want to have to commute or at least not commute all the time into my um, place of work. Yeah. So we, we've got the strength of the data in here and to say that and that's the significant shift. Now, what's going to be interesting to look at, especially for the long term play, is how that um, plays out in auxiliary opportunities, if you like, because where people live is then you're going to have additional services come up, diff- additional work opportunities come up, and how that could over time play out in a shift yeah. in um, where people work, how people live, um, where they see the opportunity. Now, the, the um, y- y- there is still that element of opportunity is seen in metro areas. It's still kind of seen as being the play, you know, the the paths are paved with gold. And that's where you're going to make your fortune. And um, especially when you are starting your career, as opposed to when you are midway through your career, balancing many other aspects of your life and your work and your home and your family. And, you know, it doesn't come just about where's the best opportunity. It's if you've got a family and kids, it's where's the best schools, for example. Where do I want them growing up in what sort of community? And um, and then as you get even further through generationally, it's then like, well, where do I want to be retiring potentially? What's my retirement community looking like? How what, what sort yeah. of style um, do we have? So we oh, this is I think this is a really important area for us to to maintain a lens on yeah. it on what's happening
1: yeah it's a bit of an evolving picture really isn't it yeah absolutely yeah okay so if we sort of look forward a little bit obviously everybody's talking about you know the the expected downturn or you know the a slower market at some point do you see if if or when that happens the drivers um, in candidate behavior changing to reflect that those market conditions um I'd, I'd say fundamentally no, because what we see
0: those macro drivers remain the same.
1: Yeah,
0: um, and we might see some micro shifts in the detailed drivers, um, but fundamentally, I wouldn't expect to see a huge shift. Um, as we, you know, say for example, a current unemployment rate is three point five percent, and as you know. It, should that increase over the next year the next two for example um um and you know other market pressures come in it come into play the actual reason people look for a new job and what they're looking for the information that they want i wouldn't see fundamentally um changing
1: yeah.
0: what will be interesting in the area we have seen changed around work from home and um you know, hybrid working opportunities is to keep uh, an eye on how that plays out because there's an element of um, balance of power and trust, and yeah. like, it's sh- and I can't underplay how seismic it is to shift behavior on such a macro scale on something so fundamental as where we work. It is huge that it's changed the beliefs in the individuals about how am i perceived at work if i work from home what sort of reputation will i have will that limit my career opportunities my growth opportunities am i disadvantaging myself for example or a lot of barriers from a, a you know a candidate point of view historically and likewise from a hiring point of view like can i trust my staff to be working from home and how will i manage that as a manager if they're working from home and And the pandemic forced an opportunity upon everybody to change their perception. Um, And what will be interesting to see is how that plays out um, and how hybrid working, working from home is used as a competitive tool in the marketplace, both by candidates and hirers as those, you know, balance of powers um, shift.
1: Yeah, yeah that's a very nice segue as they say um, to, to lead on to i guess my final question which is sort of looking at the future of, of laws of attraction um, and how how seeks can involve this this program and, and what plans or can you share a bit of the strategy long term with us and what what we can expect in the future
0: yeah absolutely so um, Going forward, the study is going to be uh, moving to an always-on model by which, I mean, we will be continuously in market surveying candidates um, and able to update the portal on a frequent basis. So we're looking at a yearly cadence to be able to update data with fresh insights. Um, This is going to Increase the number of candidates overall that we're seeing. So, we're going to be able to drill down into even more detail within um, the candidate experience so you can get an even more nuanced view of what kind of uh, needs um, the candidates that you are trying to attract have. Um, We're also going to be evolving the data portal um, so that it's consistently meeting. Higher needs um, in terms of the way that they want the data laid out and the flow and the experience of navigating it. Um, And then over time, we're also going to be building it into our own um, flow. So the creating a job ad flow so that you are actually served insights in experience so that it becomes a seamless way of accessing and enhancing the way that you can write a job ad, for example. Um, using the relevant insights.
1: Fantastic. Very exciting. Um, Caroline, it's been an absolute pleasure talking to you this morning. Um, Just remind us again, how do our listeners um, get the information or get hold of the data if they're interested to find out more?
0: Yeah, excellent. So um, the easiest way is to go onto the SEEK website. Um, So if you go to www.seek.com.au, forward slash LOA, and that takes you straight into the portal. Um, it's very easy to navigate. There is a video explainer there, um, but you can jump straight in and you cannot break it. It's unbreakable, so <laughs> play, play, play. Uh,
1: okay, okay. <laughs> yes.
0: And then um, if any of your listeners, Leslie, have Seek account managers, then, of course, they can reach out to their account manager and yep. will also assist
1: fantastic um well i'll be very interested to see what what comes out of this in the next few years and how the market's changing so i have no doubt we will talk again but um Um, i look forward uh, to it leslie yeah absolutely likewise thank you so much for joining us and um have a lovely day
0: thanks leslie you too
1: thank you for listening to recruitment down under brought to you by APSCO.
0: join us next time If it's happening in recruitment in Australia, we'll be talking about it.